Thank you for listening to the Convergence Podcast. Please enjoy this message by our lead pastor, Greg Seamus. Take your Bibles and and turn to Matthew 28. I want to look at Matthew 28. I want to look at Romans chapter 8. Not the whole chapter and not the whole chapter of Matthew 28, just FYI. Matthew 28, 19, which is a very familiar portion of Scripture. Matthew 8, 29, I mean Romans 8, 29, which is another familiar portion of Scripture. But where I want to land the plane is John 15. This week's theme our, our focus, because the whole, Matthew 28 says, um, go and make disciples of all, you guys know it, right? Of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the way, it's, the way Jesus said it um, in the original Aramaic in a roundabout way, when we, when we just kind of talk about the tense of it, it's the, it's the, it's the phrase, as you go. So it's as you go, make disciples. So for many years, we always thought that it says go, so I, I'm going to go to Egypt or I'm going to go to, you know, South Africa. And that's part of it. But really what he's saying is as you do life, change the world. As you go to Costco, as you go to Safeway, as you go, you know, to your job tomorrow, as you go, make disciples. So in order to, in order to make disciples, you have to be one. So we can't, we can't reproduce who we're not. We actually reproduce who we are. And so the word disciple means learner. And the essence of discipleship is really found at the bottom of that verse, and that is, teach them to obey my commands. So if, you know, in a lot of ways, we have, you know, we've made discipleship into a nine-week series. We've made discipleship into a six-week class. And those are not bad in and of themselves, but that's not discipleship. That's, that's part of raising up and equipping. I mean, I guess that's a form of discipleship, but discipleship is actually teaching people to obey the commands of the Lord Jesus and receive his love and move through this relationship with the Lord. So as you go, you don't have to introduce them to a six-week discipleship program. As you go, you have an opportunity to allow Jesus to be seen through your life. Right? So... So as we, as we move into this Be the Change, the first week is actually this idea of um, being the change in your own life, which is a little cumbersome. But in order for me to, to change and be an, a change agent, like in other words, bringing the, the gospel message, I need to change. I need to be changed. And the scripture says that we are being um, conformed into his image and likeness, and we are actually going from glory to glory. So there's, there's levels of going deep in God. The lights just got a little brighter, didn't it? So there's, a, there's an illumination. The Lord is speaking to us right now. Turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 29, and I'm going to be reading out of the NIV today. 
How many of you have the NIV? How many don't? That's okay. How many you wish you had? Okay, anyway. <clears throat> Oops, I'm in Romans 9. I don't want to be in Romans 9. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, you guys there? You guys are already there on your f- cell phones, smartphones, I should say. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The word uh, conformed means to be fashioned unto or to be fashioned like, or, or the word means to resemble. So it, it says here that we are to resemble or be fashioned like or conformed to the image of Christ. I would submit to you this morning that the goal of the Christian life is not heaven. The goal of the Christian life is to look more and more like Christ. That's why I think James says, count it all joy when you go through trials. Because it's not about escaping, it's about becoming like Jesus. And if we work the trial right, in other words, if we submit to the, if we, if we come under and into that trial, not that we're choosing to, that if we come through the trial, and if we're, if we're staying connected to the Lord Jesus, then we actually look more like Jesus coming out of that trial. And that's the goal. The goal is, though we're, we're going to enjoy heaven, we're going to enjoy ruling and reigning with him, really that the, the goal of the Christian life is actually to be conformed or fashioned into the image of Jesus. And so, so that's our journey. So we need to look like, we need to act like, we need to think like, we need to behave like, and we need to live like Christ. Everyone say amen. amen. And I believe that's how we're going to change lives. This is how we impact the world. This is how we impact our families. This is how we impact our friends. This is how we impact uh, our workers. And the truth is, it's not up to someone else to change the world. It's up to me. Now, I can't change, and we're really specific about this. It's not about changing the world. It's about changing your world. See, I'm I'm not in your world, and you're not in my world. My relatives are different than your relatives. (laughs) <laughs> we, might have, we might share some of the same friends, but I don't go to the same job that you go to. So I'm res- I have to be responsible for, I'll just say it this way, I'll have to be responsible for the world God set me in. It's the world that, that he is, I, you know, they say that you can, you can know per, pretty much only 60 to 80 people fairly well in your lifetime. And, um, there's acquaintances that we know, we say hi to, and there's, but but our impact is really going to be around 50 to 60 people. And our intimate impact is going to be far less than that, maybe 20, maybe 10 to 20. You're only going to have pretty much, they say, you're only going to have pretty, pretty much about three or four intimate, intimate friends or family. I'm talking about people that you're going to share, you're going to unload and share everything you are to them. You're going to have, you're going to have intimacy uh, you're going to have an intimacy with, from your soul, from your heart, to, with somebody else. And that's only going to be a very small amount of people that you're going to entrust your life to them. And I would say that we're probably going to see more of that. More of that. Uh, women do a better job at that than men. Men like to go to their island and think about it. Women tend to 
um, talk to others. They tend to connect around that. Is that true? <laughs> I'm moving on. I've, I've... So there's two important questions. Question number one is, and this is, this is something as, as I was working through this, this um, devotional today, I'll just say that, that's, t- that's keeping me in line with the clock, all right? Question number one is, do I really... I'll just say it this way, do we really want to be conformed into the image of Jesus? Now, we assume that, but do we really want to be conformed into his image? Now, here's why I say that. There are those in our churches who follow Jesus for their own benefit. And I would say that this is probably something that is developed more and more um, as entitlement has grown. So we are serving Jesus for our own gain. Now, I understand that he gives us peace. Can we say amen to that? I understand his will for us is is to bless and to give us joy. It's all part of this relationship that we have with the, with the Lord Jesus. But really, it's me giving my life to him because he gave his life for me. It's all about motivation. So it's not about how Jesus fits into my life. It's really about me giving him my entire life. You see the difference? Jesus doesn't come into certain areas of my life that I allow him to come into, and there are certain areas of my life that are off off limits to the Lord. That's not lordship. So, in other words, the things that I like, that Jesus can, can work his heart and life in, then I accept that, but the things I I really don't want Jesus to be a part of. I make a conscious choice to shut the door to Jesus. I want Jesus to fit into my finances because I want him to bless my finances. I want Jesus to fit in certain areas of my life. And what we have done, we've compartmentalized the Savior of the world in our own lives, and we've called it Christianity. That's not what I'm reading in Scripture. But if we truly understood all that Jesus has done to us, for us, if we truly understand that he gave his life for us, he redeemed us, that love always reaches down first, that love always makes the first move, and everything that he has given up for us, everything that he has done for us, if we have somewhat of a revelation of all that he's done for us and all that he, he has for us now and in the future, we'll gladly say, Lord, your Lord. I'm not talking about struggles that we have. I'm not talking about these things that we wrestle with. But there has to be a resolve. And the resolve is a choice. And the choice is that he's both Lord and Savior. Savior and Lord. That we can trust him with our entire life. And sometimes when you preach lordship, it's like you could drop a pen in a room. 
Lordship is something that we should applaud God over. We should rejoice over. That he has, how do you define it? He has the leadership of my life. I submit to his will. He doesn't submit to my will. Is there anybody in the room this morning? And it's easy to submit my will to the Lord when I have a revelation of how much he loves me. Submission, the word submission means, it means to come under a mission. I will gladly submission. I will gladly come under the mission of Jesus because I know how much he loves me and he's given his life for me. It's easy. In a marital relationship, Ephesians chapter 5, this is not a my, see, I guess, I don't even know why I do this. So in a marital relationship, when it says, wives, submit to your husbands, you know, the, well, I just want you to know there's a verse above it that says, submit one to another. We never hear that coming out. But if the husband will love his wife like Christ loves the church, that's the harder part. Love her like Christ loves the church, and it'd be easy for the wife to come under that kind of love. Fully devoted, cherished, nurtured, adored. What woman wouldn't want that? Okay. I'm telling you, we'll do a family series. It's coming. But he says that in the context of how Christ loves his bride, the church. When we understand and receive the fullness of his love, lordship is not an issue. When we come under his lordship, holiness is not an issue. When we come under, I should have said, when we come under the love of God, or we gain revelation of the love of God, then lordship is not an issue and neither is holiness. In so many ways, holiness has been something that we had to do to earn God's favor. Holiness is not that. Holiness is a connection and relationship with the Lord in intimacy where he imparts his love to us and his power and his grace for us to actually live like he does. And when I live like he does, I'm instantly holy. Now I'm declared holy. I understand that. I'm talking about walking this thing out called holiness. So a telltale sign for me is if I'm striving to be holy, then I'm not, I'm not, really fulfilling this connection in my relationship with the Lord. I remember we had a men's group years ago and uh, they were talking about purity. We were talking about purity. They were talking about pornography and purity and lust and things that men never deal with. And and so they were talking about like your eyes, you know, they, they call it like your eyes bounce off of them and bless them. So if you see a gr- woman that is attractive, 
bounce and bless. <laughs> that's what it was. Some of you guys are going to write bounce and bless, and that's all you get this morning. It's all you got from the Lord, right? <laughs> bounce and bless. So it's kind of like this. So it's like if you're driving, a woman is like walking down the you know, crosswalk, and you're in your car, you bounce and you bless. You say, Jesus, thank you. For, you know, bless her. Keep her, protect her in the name of Jesus. Watch over her and just, you just bounce right off and you just bless in the name of the Lord. All the, that's a good one. I kind of like that, actually. But I always found out that, that holiness, when the fires of my, the, my love for God are kindled and they're strong, then I find myself having less and less and less of an issue with those kinds of things. It's when my heart is distant that I begin to struggle. And I would say the same thing for everything. If you're struggling with, like, like I understand the practical side of dealing with our money or dealing with relationships. I, I, I understand, like, there's things, like, work out yourself. I understand that part of, like, but it's better to live by, by passion or by presence than by principles. It's better to live from presence than by principles. Now, I can live by pr- principles, but it's just so much harder and there's no joy in it. It's better to live by presence And I've, I know I've talked about this on several occasions. I just haven't shared it with you today. And that is, is that, that for me, serving Wendy is easier when the presence is, I'll just use this word, solid. When there's connection. Now, I can serve her. I can be a husband by principles. Because I know what's right and I know what's wrong. And I can fall back on that. It's better to live the principles out through relationship and out of love and devotion. When I live out of love and devotion, then the principles are done almost automatically. So for years, I was always taught, you know, when I got saved, no one threw a Bible at me. Praise God. But I, I still go back to when I was 16 years old and I found the Lord and I was living one way and auto, automatically, like overnight, I, I, I didn't want to live like that anymore. Has anyone ever been delivered? You got saved and delivered. But you know what's crazy about that? You weren't following any principles then because you didn't know any. I didn't. What happened? The presence of God filled my life and I change, everything changes from the inside out. But when we go, when we, when we start walking out our faith with the Lord, somehow we, we reach, we almost have to like, we become, we become almost a, I don't want to say pharisaical, that's a wrong, that's a hard word. But we begin to live our, our Christianity based on, let's just say, works. And that was Paul's struggle and his teaching in Romans 6, 7, and 8. It's not, about, it's not about striving. It's not about performing. It's about yielding. 
So if I'm going to be the change in someone else's life, if I really want to make Jesus Lord of my life, then it's not me trying harder. It's me surrendering. You know what it really comes down to? It's me saying, I can't do it. It's me making a decision. I call it a resolve. It's me making a decision that I'm going to make. That's the part. That's my part. That's the love part. That's the part where I say I do. That's me saying because love requires choice. It, it, it commands choice. As soon as you introduce force, you don't have love. So love is choice. So that's my part. In John 15, which I have, anyway, John 15, which we'll go there in a second. I'm laughing because it's already 1220. And I want to be done by 1220. Are you guys all right? I forgot what I was going to say. John 15, huh? Anyway, um, let's just turn there. And then maybe the Lord will help me remember when I get there. You guys, you guys all right? Let me just kind of set the context. If you guys can give me 10 more minutes. This is actually, John 15 is, they call this the Passion Week. This is the week where Jesus is now facing the cross. And so now we're, we're talking about, um, about three years of ministry. These disciples have seen Countless miracles. The scripture says that you know the the the, the, the miracles. The, the Bible can't even contain the miracles of Jesus. And we know that these guys were all probably in their twenties, so they weren't my age, and they weren't some of yours age. I'll just say that. Um, but I want to leave you with three things. You guys ready? All right. I am the true vine, and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will, that will be even more fruitful. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4. Remain in me. Everyone say remain. remain. Now, some of you say abide, right? So remain in me, and I also, as I also remain in you. That's the choice. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. No branch can bear fruit unless it remains. No branch bears fruit unless it remains. If we cut ourselves off, there's no fruit. Just leaves. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, that would be Jesus, and you are the branches. Clear. If, there's the choice, if you remain in me, And I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, 
you can do. It's a pretty powerful statement. If you do not remain in me, there's the word if, choice. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Verse 7, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Woo. The asking comes out of a place of intimacy, right? This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How do we become the disciples of Jesus? Where we stay connected to the source, and that's Christ. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. How, how did the Father love Jesus? That's, that's, that's another four weeks. As the Father has loved me unconditionally, completely unconditional, all of heaven, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love just as I kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. complete. Some translations say full. I like both, full and complete. Number one, we need to resolve, and that is, The word there means to make a decision, and that's our part. Do we want Jesus to be fully Lord of our life? Not a little fragment, a little piece, but fully Lord, be Lord of our lives. The only reason why he wouldn't be Lord of my life or the only thing that would actually perpetuate me moving away from that or someone moving away from that is if I don't fully trust him. Right? It's hard to love when we don't trust. The more I trust him, the more I love him. The more I trust the Lord, and that's always the temptation, that's always the, I shouldn't say temptation, that's always the route the enemy takes, is that even through the trial, we're struggling with this issue of trust. When it doesn't come out the way we want it to, can I trust him? So that's where our love is um, established, is this area of trust. So we have to make a decision. Number two We have to remain. So we need to choose to stay vitally connected to Jesus as our life source. When we remain, we rest and position ourselves to receive. The Christian life is about remaining in Jesus. 
The Christian life is about remaining in Jesus. Try this out. The Christian life is about remaining in Jesus. Good job. You guys do good. The branch has to be connected to the vine. What's interesting, we don't have time to develop it. What's interesting is that he says often in that verse, if you remain. So I actually have a choice to be connected or not. If you remain in my love, if you remain in me, that I will remain in you. If, if, if you remain in me. When we, when we resolve to make Jesus Lord of our life, it's not about me doing all these things to prove to the Lord that he, he is Lord of my life. It's actually me yielding to his love in relationship. And I could do that. Because when I yield to his love in relationship, like the vine is to the branch, the nutrients flow from his life into my life, and then I become more like him. And when I become more like him, I bear the image of Jesus to the world around me. In other words, I don't have to work hard to change. I just need to submit and receive the love of God. Are you guys out there? So receiving is how we begin to change. And this has been, that was our journey all last year. We're sons and daughters of the living God. He is our father. Change comes when we choose to abide in the vine. My life has changed when the nutrients of heaven flow into my life because Jesus resides in my life. It's coming, it always in his has never changed. It comes down to relationship. I know the Bible talks in Philippians and Colossians, and it says these are the principles and these are the things. But you know what? I could choose to live that way without being truly connected, and I just jump on the laws of God, but I'm not going to be fulfilled. And fine, I'm, in fact, I'm going to find myself struggling. So when I get a when I get a directive from Scripture. I bring that to Jesus and I say, this is your word. Work this out in me. I yield myself to your lordship. I yield myself to your love. I want the nutrients of heaven to come into me and, and, and work in such a way that this actually becomes a natural part of my Christian life. How do we change? How do we become the change? How does our life change? Our life changes by not us willing it to change, determining it to change. Though there's a resolve to say yes to Jesus, it's actually coming into this place of abiding. And as I come into this place of abiding, the change takes place in me from heaven. I think that's pretty cool. Oh. So then the last piece is we need to respond. So we resolve, we, we, we receive, we remain, we receive, and then we respond. Four R's. 
just like a good sermon, I guess. The response of the branch is fruit. Does the branch work hard to bear fruit? Fruit serves others. Fruit nourishes. Fruit is created to be consumed. Fruit provides nutrients, health for others. The fruit that is born off the branch is a natural result of the branch abiding in the vine. I can't get fruit unless I'm connected. Fruit doesn't grow apart of or apart from the vine. You guys okay? In other words, I can't produce the fruit of the Spirit apart from my connection from Christ. The more I'm connected to Christ in relationship and dependency, fruit comes naturally. An apple seed bears an apple tree which produces apples. And I'm loving those apples right now. Fiji apples are the best. I don't know why God made red delicious. Anyway, that's the question I'm going to have when I see him. Applesauce. Pork chops and... All right, so if you know the Brady Bunch, you know what I'm talking about. Pork chops and applesauce. All right. That swell. All right. So, why'd you say that? So I just want you to, I just want you to quit striving and just start yielding. Quit going after the, the hardcore principles. That is the will of the Father, but it comes out of abiding. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? You can't, you can't strive and work hard to get that. That's, only, that's a gift. That's, a, that's something that the life of Christ produces in me as a result of a vital union that I have with Jesus. But what I, but I, what I found out last year, and I'll share it again this year, and I couldn't believe this when I read it. But actually, what's the purpose of the fruit? Now, if you're here last year or so, you're going to know the answer. Don't say it. So I, 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 I get on Google. I ask these crazy questions like, what is the purpose of fruit? Duh, you know, like you eat it, nourishes you. And I... And so as, as I read, I got the first, you know, how the first 10 hits, you know, the purpose of fruit. And the purpose of the fruit, the fruit is created to protect the seed so we can actually multiply the seed. What? The fruit is actually grown. God has, has put... Because fruit is sweet, right? Most of it. Around the seed, not primarily for my nourishment, 
but for animals to pick at it and take the seed and fly away with it and drop it. The purpose of the fruit around the seed is to actually extend the life of a tree and produce more fruit. The purpose of the seed is to multiply the tree. When people eat the spiritual fruit in our lives with the fruit that God grows in us, we begin to multiply the life of Christ in others. You see, the fruit is not just for me, it's for you. The fruit is for you. It's to advance the kingdom. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit's help because it is the fruit of the Spirit. It comes from God. And it comes from this place of abiding with God. Let me just wrap this up by just going, taking you to Ezekiel 47, verse 12. I think it's Ezekiel 47, 12. It talks about the river flowing from the throne, right? And it, when it hits the trees, trees grow. And it says in the scripture that the leaves are for healing, but the fruit continues to grow in every season. In other words, I think it says in Ezekiel 47, 12, that the fruit is without, there's fruit that with, somehow is connected to failing. It's like the fruit will never fail. In every single season, there's fruit. What a massive promise that is. So as we talk about these next 21 days, now next 14 days, we talk about change. We talk about wanting to be more and more like conformed in the image of Jesus. Please do not turn that into a striving effort in a, in a, a part where you're just like, I, I got to do all these things. I got this huge list I got to do. I got to just make Jesus Lord, commit to him in lordship, and learn to live from a place of remaining abiding. What does that look like? That means that you're going to have, I mean, you need to block out time to be with Jesus. That means that you're listening to worship music and you're just, you're just communing with the Lord. And my prayer over the last year is, Father, pour your love into my heart because I want to look like your son. And in and of myself, I, I, I can't do it but he can. And what's the end result? Your joy will be complete. We start with abiding and we end with joy. Wow. And all of that, we look more like Christ. That's a good deal. All right, let's stand. So let me just ask you a, a direct question. 
<clears throat> if you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, whether it's finding Christ for the first time, asking him into your heart, or rededicating your life to the Lord, like you know, you know, you know if he's Lord or not. You know what I'm saying? If you want to make Jesus Lord, you want to start this year with a fresh commitment to lordship. Really, while every head is up and every eye is open, would you just go ahead and slip your hand up? And I just want to pray for you. I'm kind of a straight up person. So anyone here? Just put it up really high. I, just, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to make anything up. I don't want to. Okay, yep. Yep, I see your hand. Yes, yes, sir. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anyone else? Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I see your hand. Anybody else? I'm making Jesus Lord today. I'm making him Lord of my life. I'm, in, I'm having him come into every area of my life, every single area. I choose this today. If that's, your, if that's you, put your hand up. I just want to pray for you. Come on, put it up. Just put it up real high like you're proud. Like if you can't declare Jesus Lord in this room, then it's going to be really tough for you to declare Lord, the Lordship of Christ outside of it. Come on, real high. We're all church family, man. We're all rooting for you. We're 100% behind you. 100% behind you. 100% behind you. Put it up. Put it up, put it up, put it up real high, real high, real high. This is it. This is it. I'm making my decision. I'm making my decision right now. Put it up high. I'm making my decision right now. All right, I want you to keep it up. I want people around to pray for you. You don't have to say anything, just, but I want to activate the body. So go ahead, find someone with their hand up, just lay hands on them. I'm going to pray for everybody, but we're doing this to come around you in agreement. We're just laying hands on you, touching you, and believing God for you. Amen? Amen. Just go ahead and just begin to pray. I'll have a general prayer in a moment, but just go ahead and pray. If you don't know what to pray, just say, Oh, Father, help so-and-so, this person you're laying your hands on, to be Lord of their life, fully committed in the name of Jesus. Father God, we thank you for every one of our brothers and sisters who slipped up their hand this afternoon. And we pray now in the name of the Lord Jesus that they make this decision that Jesus is going to be Lord of my life. That Jesus is going to be Lord of my life. That Jesus is going to be Lord of my life. No more double-mindedness. No more checking around the corner. Jesus is going to be Lord of my life. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I just want everyone in the room to say it. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. One more time. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And I choose this day to remain in you. I choose this day to abide in you. I choose this day to have quality time. And we pray that the resources of heaven that Jesus would give us the grace and the power to live just like he did. We just pray for the fruit of the Spirit to be born in our lives. We pray for the love of God to fill us again afresh and anew. And we choose to be the change 
to live this thing out for your glory and for your honor. We thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And everybody said amen. Thanks again for listening to the Convergence Podcast. We hope that this message gives you faith during your fast and encourages you to finish strong. God bless.